Zimbabwe's inflation rate slows to a near one-year low, and we also take an in-depth look at the Export Growth Fund in Rwanda. Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard your pulse and everything business in Africa. I am Ritha Dong. For more, follow us on Twitter at the K Financial, and you can find me at Ritha Dong. Your main story is brought to you by Ironing Bank PLC. And in Bank Rwanda, we are on your side. Some of the biggest hurdles exporters face include limited access to finance, high cost of borrowing, limited post-shipment financing, low production volumes, high international market entry-related costs, and generic loans backed by strong collateral. Estelle Ouizé, Manager Exports and Manufacturing Portfolio at the Development Bank of Rwanda, joins us to expound on the Export Growth Fund by the Development Bank of Rwanda and how it's solving the export financing challenges in Rwanda. What is the Export Growth Fund? Rwanda is still a developing country, and among the challenges the country has, our, our balance of payment is still struggling since we still have more importation than export. And our government has done an assessment to find out what are the issues which are hindering the exportation of Rwandan product abroad. And among the, the issues, there was the cost of financing, which is still high. And uh, the government came up with a solution to that cost of funding, which is, which is high in order, in order to, to improve or to promote the exportation of Rwandan products. So they came up with the Export Growth Fund. The fund was established in 2016, meaning it has been there for some time, for like five, six years now. And uh, the, the fund started with the Ministry of Trade and uh, Commerce. That is the ministry in charge, of course, of industries and uh, exportation and how to, to improve the economy in that way. So they came up, they, they, they gave BRD the mandate to, 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 to operationalize that fund. And on annual basis, the government put in some money under the fund in order to promote exports. And uh, we, they, the government have tried to onboard another Another stakeholder in order to promote the to, to try to solve that issue of cost of funding, and uh, we coming they came up with the, the, the German Development Bank, whereby they also provide some money, some funds, like on a, on a need basis. I will call it so. So far, they have given us money three times, up to 20 million euros so far. The fund has four distinct windows through which it funds exporters. Can you expound further on this? And uh, the fund has uh, three windows, has four windows. The first window we call it the investment catalyst, whereby it works in uh, in a two ways, if I call it so. The first way is whereby the Development Bank of Rwanda gives loans directly to exporters. And uh, the normal interest rate, normally it is around 16%. So basically what the fund does, the fund pays 6.5% of interest. Well, on behalf of the exporters and the exporters, they pay around 10%. So basically the 10%, it's a, it's a relatively good interest rate looking at the economy, the inflation and all the, all the other parameters taking into consideration. So basically it's a, it's a way to, to motivate, to, to, to help like, uh, manufacturers, even other who are ex- exporting goods to get loans at a lower interest rate so that they can be able to export a random product abroad. So I would say the other under the first window, the investment catalyst, that is where we use the money we get from we got from the German Development Bank, whereby we have been giving a line of credit to commercial banks. And so far we are working with the six commercial banks. Uh one is Bank Popular du Rwanda, we have Bank of Kigali, we have Bank of Africa, 
we have Cogebank, we have INDM Bank, we have and Mutangoa Finance. So basically, we give them line of credit and they lend to exporters. So they can give them working capital, investment loan, whatever they need as a loan. So basically, what they benefit, they get like a maximum interest rate of 12%, whereby like on average from the commercial banks, the rate are around 16, 17, some even goes up to 18, even 20%. So exporters, they get only 12%. And this is a very good incentive to mobilize them at least to increase, to expand their factory, increase and expand their businesses. Which helps to, which helps them to export and increase their exports and which in return we get like a good, we, we, we get like a good impact on the, on the random um, balance of payments. The second window which the fund has, it is called the matching grant, whereby exporters who are facing, who are having challenges to, to penetrate the international market, we, they are given like money to help them to, to do the certifications, recording, packaging design, branding, labeling, marketing research, and to, to also attend trade fairs where they can go and meet buyers. So they can get up to 100,000 USD for the matching grant, but as the name says, it's a matching grant. So they get 50%, another 50%, they have to pro- provide that as their own contribution. And uh, we have uh, a third window, which is co- which we call the Export Credit Guarantee Facility. That one helps to provide guarantee to exporters who are struggling to ha- with uh, sufficient collaterals, because it is also one of the challenges which uh, was uh, realized, because some of them, they want to grow, they want to expand, they need working capital, especially, for example, those who are exporting maybe fruits, vegetables abroad, but you find they don't have enough collaterals for them to, to grow their businesses, for them to accept big orders. So that um, fund also, that facility, that window also came up to help them to support those with the need of working capital, even uh, investment loans. But currently, the, the, the guarantee is currently open to, to the horticulture sector, but we believe that before end of this year, it will be operational to all the export sectors. So basically, uh, those who are in the horticulture sector can access working capital from their banks when they have already agreements, when they have contract to supply some goods abroad, so they can approach their bank and they can get up to 100 million and the bank can cover up to 80% of the required working capital, which we also consider as a good incentive for them to grow their business and to be able to supply, to meet the demand of their suppliers of their buyers. And we have also another window, the last, the, the fourth one, which we call the industrial startup. So basically what the industrial startup do, it also provides uh, interest subsidy of 6.5% on the interest rate, but mainly it is, uh, it is targeting those new companies which are coming to help with the recapturing of domestic markets. Basically, those who are coming up with the new products which are normally being imported and starting from uh, uh, producing them here locally. And mainly, it encourages um, uh, startups, uh, young borrowers, new borrowers. So basically, they're the ones who are more, who are more encouraged in that uh, fourth window. And maybe if I can look at how the fund has been performing for the past years, I can see that... Um, through the money we get from the government of Rwanda, through the Ministry of Trade, from 2016 to last year, December, uh, 124 projects have been supported. 
and uh, through the money we give to the commercial banks, 64 projects have been uh, have been um, approved to benefit the fund. So in total, it is uh, I would say it is a satisfactory performance. Looking at the number of years the fund has been there, and looking at the number of projects and the impact those projects are creating in terms of jobs, in terms of export revenues, and so on and so forth. A quick review of the other stories making it into the podcast, the S&P Global Egypt PMI climbed to 46.9 in February of 2023 from 45.5 in the prior month, pointing to the 27th straight month of contraction in non-oil private sector as demand continued to hit by as demand continued to be hit by high inflation and supply chain pressures. Output and new orders continued to contract with export sales falling for the second straight month. Meanwhile, buying levels fell at the softest pace in four months, while employment levels dropped at the fastest pace since May 2022, amid marked depreciation of the Egyptian pound. Delivery timelines lengthened to the strongest since June of 2022, as firms reported delays in the arrival of items for the fourth month running due to the impact of import controls. On prices, both input and output cost inflation eased to a four-month low and made a further depreciation in the local currency. Looking ahead, sentiment deteriorated and were about just above record low seen in October last year amid suggestions that current headwinds are likely to continue throughout 2023. Zimbabwe's consumer price inflation eased to 92.3% year-on-year in February of 2023, down from a prior 229.8% and moving further away from August's 18-month high of 285%. The annual inflation has been on a downside trend since September of 2022 and reached its lowest level since March last year. On a monthly basis, consumer prices fell by 1.6%, the first drop since June 2018, after 1.1% rise in the previous month. The Reserve Bank of Zimbabwe cut its extraordinarily high policy rate on February 2nd by 50 percentage points to 150% on expectations that a downward trend in inflation will continue. Zimbabwe is now using the blended calculation system for inflation. Governor Manduja said blended inflation is the most appropriate inflation for the Zimbabwean economy in view of the increased use of foreign currency in domestic transactions within the economy and the high level of foreign exchange deposits and loans in the banking sector of around 65%. A quick review of the markets. The market segment is brought to you by the Development Bank of Rwanda. We empower you. Cocoa futures were trading around $2,800 per ton, close to levels last seen in December 2020, amid growing concerns about tight global supplies. Cocoa exporters in Ivory Coast, the world's top producer, are on the verge of defaulting on their arguments because of a lack of cocoa beans with some shortage estimates reaching 150,000 tons. Furthermore, mounting worries about the quality of some West African cocoa due to a deficit of fertilizers and pesticides has supercharged upward momentum in the market. A low level of cocoa inventories has also exacerbated fears of supply disruptions. The ICE-monitored New York cocoa inventories held in U.S. ports are hovering around a 10-month low, while in EU ports it fell to a 10-and-a-half-month low of 112,000 metric tons. Still, signs of tepid global demand keep further gains limited. 
The National Confectionery Association reported that fourth quarter North American cocoa grindings dropped 8.1% from a year earlier to 107,000 metric tons. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of the K Financial. If you have any suggestions or you want to check out more stories, visit the website that is thekfinancial.com and don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at the K Financial and you can find me at the Dome.